Hi there, this is Dave Harrison. In the book Achieving DevOps, we struggled because that concept of DevOps is so vast and it covers decades of software development uh, knowledge that we've learned over the years. So where do we start? We decided after a few months to restrict the scope to what one team could do in one year. We wanted to write a story that reflected the world as it is not as we'd like it to be. So in the real world, we're not blessed with limitless power. We don't have uh, an army of well-trained consultants and employees to help us. We don't have a blank checkbook. No, instead, we're, we're saddled with legacy debt. We're, we're constrained by limited resources. And oftentimes, management is not really bought into this fancy new world word called DevOps. So what do we do? Interestingly, instead of starting with release management or uh, buying new software to help them uh, track their progress or capture bugs or even improving their test layer, the team doesn't do any of those things. Instead, they, they make their technical debt visible. Now, why begin with this? Well, in the book, we, we talk about the concept of a, a plimsoll line. That's P-L-I-M-S-O-L-L, plimsoll line. Now, back in the 17th and 18th centuries, it was very common to lose freighter ships due to overloading. In fact, some ship owners, very unscrupulously, uh, would oftentimes deliberately send out a ship that was old, that was overloaded, knowing that it was bound to founder, and they, that way they could collect on their insurance money. And that led to much, many lives being lost. So in 1876, the British Parliament passed a bill that made it mandatory to have marks uh, running around the underside of the, of the ship. And that way, if the ship was overloaded, you could look at it, and if that load line was just disappearing underwater, the harbor master could prevent the ship from leaving port. So if we treat our release, our software releases, like putting a ship out to sea, it's important to know how much weight we're carrying so that we don't risk being swamped. If we're trying to pay our way out of debt, the first step is to track what we are spending and to keep up to date a full list of our debts. So what is technical debt? Well, in any project, we, we sometimes incur, we always incur debt, technical debt. These are improvements that we have to defer. It's the project is due on X date and we had to make some shortcuts in order to make our goals. That's the real world. Most of these revolve around improvements in areas like security, performance. These may not be key technical functions that the business is asking for, but they end up being important. Uh, they're the rocks that our application can be wrecked on. These are unspoken, implicit expectations that, when missed, causes our users to absolutely hate what we're delivering. So Keith Morris had a very neat way of, of defining technical debt. He said, Technical debt is a metaphor for problems in a system that have been left unfixed. As with most financial debts, your system charges interest for technical debt. You might have to pay interest in a form of ongoing manual workarounds needed to keep things running. You may pay it as extra time taken to make changes that would be simpler with a cleaner architecture. Or charges may take the form of unreliable or hard to use services for your users. Software craftsmanship is largely about avoiding technical debt. Make a habit of fixing problems and flaws as you discover them. 
which is preferably as you make them, rather than falling into the bad habit of thinking, oh, it's, it's good enough for now. This is a controversial view. Some people dislike technical debt as a metaphor for poorly implemented systems because it implies a deliberate, responsible decision, like borrowing money to start a business. But it's worth considering that there are different types of debt. Implementing something badly is like taking a payday loan to pay for a vacation. It runs a serious risk of bankrupting you. So in any project that we're involved in, we make sure one of the first steps that we have a complete list of technical debt exposed and visible to our stakeholders. Paying down this debt should be what we choose to invest our time in after the very limited delivery goals for each sprint. Microsoft made paying down this debt one of their top priorities on the Azure DevOps product teams. This was accomplished by, by tracking their BTE ratio, that stands for bugs to engineers, and making sure this number rarely exceeded a reasonable count. Now we get into this, what the BTE ratio exactly is and how Microsoft defines it with some interviews in the book with Sam Guckenheimer and Aaron Bjork. But suffice to say, this was for us a very powerful moment. We realized how vivid it was having that single number visible on every single dashboard that managers were aware of and tracked. Are, is the project moving smoother or are we overloaded? For Microsoft, that BTE ratio was a game changer. Now that's not the only way of tracking your technical debt. Uh, some companies, for example, have found lead time to be very, very valuable. Um, other companies have used something called a, a maturity matrix. For instance, companies like Ticketmaster, Capital One, and Exxon. Now there's many books out there that flatly call this a, an anti-pattern. But we can't do that. There's too many powerful examples of companies that use maturity matrices to create self-organizing teams that can assess themselves and make their recommendations for improvement that fit their specific use case. The main point, though, is this. Dysfunction thrives on secrets. Happy families value open, honest discussions, even when this causes short-term pain. It's the dysfunctional families that tend to hide problems or minimize them. Left in the dark, these secrets multiply into a crushing burden. So exposing the weight that, uh, that our, our team is carrying is an excellent, uh, very powerful first uh, step. It's a, a turning point because unless you define your, your pain, you can't, come a, you can't come up with a systematic and, and effective way of dealing with it. So we'll, we'll talk more in the book about how to recruit executive support to start paying down that debt. But suffice to say, it's critical to speaking the language of business, to link that list of debts to quantifiable results. That means dollars saved, waste eliminated, opportunities for gain in the form of new features, for example. We interviewed Michael Stonke of Puppet, and he told us that it's critical for engineers to learn how to put technical debt into practical terms that executive decision makers can understand. He said, think about the way that you are presenting this information to the people that matter in your company. 
You want to steer towards a measurable outcome that matters to people. For example, don't try to sell MTTR by itself. If I say, well, I need to have more worker roles added to this process. I need to have more servers running in the background. That's great for techies, but not so much for the people writing the checks. But if I say, hey, you know, it costs us this much in terms of dollars every time this problem happens. Well, then I get strong feedback. They say, what would it cost us to fix this? Then we can start talking about our options and have a discussion. If something's important, I do try to convert it into dollars. That's the universal language of business. And it's something that I wish more developers understood. We need to think about the long-term maintenance costs of the things that we build more. Over time, the cost of development gets rounded to zero in comparison with the cost of operating and maintaining a system. Operations teams, they have a much better understanding of the business value and maintenance costs than developers do. If we really understood the language of business, we could get the backing that we need to produce better quality software and keep our technical debt in check. So that's why in the book the team starts with coming up with a single list of the things that they've been deferring, the things that, that need to, improvements that need to happen that they just never have time for. Putting that in the list is an excellent starting point for the team and it allows them to convert those shortcomings and shortcuts into dollars so they can actually make the case with their management that yes, these changes are necessary. We hope you enjoyed this and thank you so much for listening.